0: Greetings, Earthlings. Welcome to Voices from the Real World. Profile Theatre is a theater company located in Portland, Oregon. Profile Theatre centers the season around a season-long featured writer. Our best artists help us see. And at Profile, each year, we use a different writer's unique perspective as a lens that helps us see our shared world in new and surprising ways. Community Profile is an affinity space built around the structure of a free writing workshop. Participants in Community Profile meet, write, support, share, and bear witness to other people who may have walked a mile in their shoes. In Community Profile, we feature writers who have won awards and had numerous books published, as well as writers who are making their first foray into expressing themselves on paper. The result is writing that is singularly personal, provocative, powerful, moving, funny, tragic, beautiful, and that encapsulates the entirety of the human experience. What this podcast does is give those writers, those creators, a chance to share their life stories and their writing in a public forum so that we can celebrate and appreciate victories that have been won and challenges that have been overcome by people whose lives you may recognize or be experiencing for the very first time. And one of our... uh... Most stalwart members who've shown up every time since we started um, this particular cohort has been W. Noel Robbins. Good evening, Noel.
1: Good evening. Happy
0: Inauguration Day. Indeed, so,
1: all day long. So, you guys know
0: we're recording this on January 20th, you know, and out with the bad and in with the new. Indeed. All right. Um, So, Noelle. Yes. uh, It's a real pleasure to have you. It's been a great pleasure to have you as part of the cohort. Um, And first, I guess I would love to have you just tell me a little bit about yourself.
1: It is so wonderful to be here. Thanks, Bobby. I am new to Portland, relatively. Um, I'm originally from Tulsa, Oklahoma. Um, I am a black woman even though I am super duper pale, that gets into lots of interesting things. But I'm definitely a black woman. I'm very proud to have a black woman in office now. I'm really, really (laughs) happy to be able to say that. It's a big deal. It's a huge deal. Uh, Something that my lovely parents never, ever thought would ever, ever happen. So I feel a lot of pride um, on their behalf as well. They're in Oklahoma now. Um, And I'm... Just a hardworking lady uh, trying to find my voice, trying to find time to write. Um, my participation in the uh, Profile Theater Community uh, Program has been amazing. Um, it's a really lit a fire under me to get out the words that come from my heart. So,
0: sure, sure. And when I was like reading over your stuff, uh, it seems like you have a real poetic sensibility.
1: I do. I do. And it's difficult because I want to think in a linear way and I want to write in a linear way, but it just never, ever comes out like that.
0: Eh, Don't be bound. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. Get in where you fit in, you know, write however you want to write. Um, I'm curious. So when you're not writing, what else do you do?
1: I actually have a day job. I have a daytime job um, in a corporate office, and there's a cafe there, so it's fine. Um, and I dance. Uh, ballroom social dance is nice. my passion. Um and I do a lot of reading, I, a lot of reading, a lot of writing, a lot of laundry. Um, I'm just really boring. My life is very peaceful and boring. Oh, is that boring? Because yeah. that sounded a lot like my life, and I didn't
0: <laughs> realize it was boring. You know? Yeah, I, nothing exciting. Um, I'm reading Black Leopard, Red Wolf right now by Marlon James, and he is so good. Interesting. You know? Yeah, he's a really he's a great writer. Who are some of your favorites?
1: Mark Twain. No kidding. Mark Twain is actually one of my absolute favorites. I'm reading his I'm rereading his very own autobiography right now. Um Tony Morrison, um Alice Walker, Nikki Giovanni, um a little bit of Angela Davis when I'm feeling very um intellectual. Yeah. Um but you know, it really just depends on what I'm into at the moment. Sure. So Sure. Um,
0: did you see that documentary that just came out about Toni Morrison? I did not. There, there is one, and I can't remember the name right now. It's like something like I Am the Pieces, I think it is, <sighs> that uh, has been you know, getting good reviews, and I'm looking forward to checking it out. It's on the streaming right now, like everything is.
1: Wonderful. You know,
0: right. Um, I'll check
1: into that. And do you find them
0: influencing your writing, or do you go your own way?
1: Everyone I read influences me. From the Daily Costs to the Wall Street Journal to podcasters uh, hmm. that I listen to, everything influences my writing.
0: Sure, sure. So, and did you say, did you come straight here from Tulsa?
1: No, I came straight here from Nueva York, New York City. Um, and I spent four years growing up. There, that is a town that will um, take you from a child to a woman. <laughs> like, for I know real. That's right. yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. And I survived it and I love it. But it really was not the type of place I could see my my Oklahoma flourishing gotcha. at all. Gotcha. So uh, Portland, I like to say, is very much like if Tulsa and New York City had a baby. Portland would be. (laughs) I wonder how Portland takes that.
0: (laughs) Might be stepdaughter. I don't know. How did you pick this city?
1: Well, it was between Philadelphia and Portland. I had visited Portland in 2012 um, on a jaunt from Oklahoma State University where I was working on a master's degree in sociology. And I was really burnt out, feeling very much not part of the university setting at Oklahoma State in uh, Stillwater. So uh, my advisor at the time, uh, Dr. Dwayne Gill, uh, master of disaster, and I'll explain that later, um, he said he loved Portland, And if I needed just some time to find myself and um, find my voice as an academic writer, I really should spend some time basically um, navel gazing in Portland. So I did. I came out here. I fell in absolute love with it. And then I ran into the... Um, couple of things happened. I ran out of money, number one. And number two, I realized that um, not everyone who smiles is nice. Hmm. Not everyone who says yes actually means it. And that really kind of ripped me apart. It broke my heart. So three months after I got here, I realized I uh, needed to find full-time work, and I was working at Powell's part-time, and it was my dream job. It just wasn't even putting gas in my car. So I found full-time employment elsewhere in Michigan, and that's where I spent ages 14 to 33. So I knew Michigan, and this was well beyond that. So um, I made plans to move back there, worked and um it was on from there great
0: great and so in portland Mm -hmm. again Mm -hmm. um what brought you to
1: community profile long way round short story um i had been doing some academic work looking at a phd in social work i have already earned a master of social work degree from the university of michigan And I was looking at Ph.D. in social work here at uh, Portland State. So I started essentially showing myself on campus, visiting people, visiting departments, going to meetings. And I went to a meeting um, that was just really very interesting, interesting blend of people. And it was a juvenile justice uh, student gathering essentially and one of the facilitators of the group um an elder named christy took a shine to me and said you seem like you need to know some people so i said okay great i would like to know you so she introduced me uh to barbara o'hare who Ah. knows Everybody in Portland. And Barbara introduced me to Patricia, Patricia Welch. And Miss Welch turned me on to Community Profile and said, hey, they're (laughs) talking to black women. Come on. So here I am.
0: Right on. Yeah, Patricia. She is uh, someone who gets the word out for sure. Yes. Yes. For sure.
1: Between she and Miss Barbara, yeah, I, I I have to be careful what I do because it'll get back to them and then I will not hear <laughs> the end of it. So, yeah.
0: Right. And are you going to you're going to share some work with us today?
1: Yes. I have been doing a lot of contemplating um my life personally like I've said is very peaceful, but I I always am very sensitive to uh, the existence of others on a macro level. And so the last few weeks, especially after um, the difficulty in November with the election and then all the holidays with December, I just really wanted to speak to people that I knew could hear me. But I also knew that on my weblog, Words from the Peaceful Village, I'd like to draw some energy to it that are not just people who could hear me. Some I'd like to draw attention from people who are interested in knowing more about the black voice, not just other black people. But two pieces. This one, uh, the first, is called The March of Public Letters, Dear Black People. Now, The March of Public Letters is a series for me. I have several public letters I'm working on to working on one to Donald John, uh, our dear departed president. And um, that's going to be up later. But for now, The March of Public Letters, Dear Black People.
0: Let's take a quick break, and we'll be back with W. Noel Robbins.
2: Domestic violence is a public health crisis of epidemic proportions. One in three women and one in seven men will experience abuse. At Raphael House of Portland, we are working to change that. Raphael House has offered emergency shelter and a safe haven for families fleeing violence for over 40 years. Our mission is to help survivors build the safe, independent lives they deserve. And we're here every step of the way, for as long as families need. Each year, we serve more than 400 survivors, half of whom are children. Now they're growing up in safe, violence-free homes. But we don't only respond to domestic violence. We want to stop it from ever happening. That is why prevention is a part of everything we do. We help families plus thousands of teens in local schools learn about consent and equitable relationships, so that one day no one will need our services. If you or a loved one needs to talk to an advocate, you are not alone. Our confidential hotline is available 24/7 at 503-222-6222. Visit us at www.rafaelhouse.com to learn more, access resources, get involved, or make a donation. Because no one deserves to be hurt by someone they love. And together, we can build a future without domestic violence.
0: And we are back with Voices from the Real World featuring W. Noelle Robbins.
1: 5 January 2021, year one of our renewal. Dear Black people, since before COVID, I thought a lot about what I could say to you. I've turned my message over and over in my mind. My heart yearns for the day we are all truly free. We must be free in order to be a people who succeed. Even if our freedom looks like madness to others, we must break our chains. We must release our grip on what keeps us steady in shit. So, what can our success look like? Who are we if we are not losing? Has enough been done to draw that picture? I write to you from Exile. To the minds of so many of you, I am a failure. In so many ways, I simply do not rate my attitude. I'm the high yellow gal from Tulsa whose hair was never right and whose thighs rubbed together and who always had the last word in a fight. I've been through so much and not just because of living in a white man's world. You. You. My sisters and brothers, you have rejected me. When I first left my father's house, the white man had no choice but to show me what I had been taught was my worth, especially if I did not play the part. I have never been black enough for most black folk. I am a unicorn with a broken horn. I am a beast who should not exist and wouldn't survive if it did. I'm like an eagle raised in a goose's nest. Fit in nowhere among the familiar from the start. Things don't make sense until later. I forgive you. I love you. Let's start over. So, of the questions above, I am most concerned with bringing one issue for your consideration, dear people definition of a new way that works for more folks. If a thing exists, there is intrinsic validity of everything it's based on. We exist, so we deserve to exist. We are American. So we are obligated to the same rights and responsibilities of all Americans. We are also members of the body politic, which cause a nearly allergic reaction in a disturbingly large segment of the American population. Any true healing begins within. Then, if possible, everywhere else. In light of the situation, I propose that it is time for a new nation to emerge, a new nation which is inclusive, but rooted in the assumption of the fact that black people are fully human, and as such, endowed with the right to not only pursue happiness, but to achieve it. We cannot do it alone. We are members of a human family who need us. We need each other. Our first slavers looked like us after all. It's the kidnapping and relentless advertising that put a profound stink on things. There must be forgiveness and there must be reconciliation from the federal level throughout. First within, then everywhere else. The United States has never fully welcomed us. Why would it? We were the worst of themselves, evidence of a crime, a constant reminder of shame. As an outgrowth of the transatlantic slave trade, American blacks are an amalgam. However, a particular subset of the black population the progeny of those black folk whose ancestors were enslaved by European colonials have particular significance among others in the diaspora. We've not been rescued and we're not going to be. So no one is coming for us. And most of us would not welcome the disruption to the well-rehearsed and daily performed catastrophes, which are our lives. If they did. We must rescue ourselves. The first step is within. Once the self has been healed and properly managed, then everything else is toasted gravy or however that goes. The point is that we are home. This is our homeland. We are Americans we've had a black president we're officially home so what kind of home will it be the one we we are given built on the blood-soaked soil of atrocity or could it be one we build that said i have a challenge and i make you an offer my challenge personal practice of appreciating your ancestors for surviving and thriving when circumstances allowed capture the effect this sacred practice has on your life and in the lives that animate your network. My offer includes prayers of thanks for our continued sticky shine, great healthy family systems and babies who grow up strong in time with the song of their names.
0: Right on. Right on. One thing I was really struck by when I read these, um, Noel, was your willingness to go there. You know, that passage starts with, uh, I write this from exile, you know, and and all those lines that come immediately after that. Yeah. Uh, I was like, I mean... You put everybody, you put put a lot of people on blast, you know? And I was like, okay, okay, well, here we go. Um, uh, The nuance Mm -hmm. between uh, the pursuit of happiness and achieving it, I thought was uh, really, really important, you know? Um, And uh, right at the end there, when you talk about uh, we have to rescue ourselves, you know, I think that that is a real sentiment. that is uh, prevalent and percolating and bubbling in the black community in a lot of ways right now. Yes. Um, and like, and how, and and how, and how do we do that? You know, right. um, there's no doubt that it's now our responsibility. Um, uh, but like, I, I feel like I have a, a lot of friends who um, question if this is our home right. to this day. And, you know, you and you're like, well, it kind of is because like all of, uh, all the stuff that we struggle with is, uh, is an American struggle, you know, you know, um, uh, and the, like the things that we're missing, the things that we lack that comes from being born and raised here, you know, out of all the stuff you talked about, you know, I thought that was a really great point when you're like, uh, do we want to be only like what, you know, the, the, the blood and the torture and the the agony that came before, or, or do we want to build something new? You know, really uh, uh, strong words, I thought. You know. Thank you. Yeah, good work. Let's take a quick break, and we'll be back with W. Noel Robbins.
1: Hot and throbbing. There are two worlds in this story. Reality constructed as we know it, and a world that sometimes resembles the real as we fantasize about it.
2: Cut to interior, night, voiceover. She was hot. She was robbing. But she was in control. Control of her body. Control of her thoughts control of him and she, she would make, make him wait, wait. Make, make him beg, beg. <laughs> uh,
1: sounds too male bashing make him ask Ugh. Ugh. <gasps> fuck it, make him beg, make them both beg mom, <laughs> where's your eyeliner? on the top shelf next to the Ben Gay
2: Hot and Throbbing by Paula Vogel Directed by Jamie M. Ray is available for streaming November 4th, 2020 to June 20th, 2021 to members and non-members at Profile Theater on air. Learn
1: more and listen at profiletheater.org.
0: And we are back with Voices from the Real World featuring W. Noel Robbins. Do you want to read
1: your next piece? Sure. The Language of Struggle. That's the one. Begins. What is to give light must endure burning by Victor E. Franco. Cogitation upon our darkest fears shapes the way we talk about reality. We end up speaking into existence that which we actually wish to askew. Not all people believe this. But it is true. We draw to us what we call. We keep calling to ourselves victimization because the constant shaping of the public discourse about black people, illness, institutions and health is to build the discussion upon the assumption of black inferiority. In the face of adversity, the strong stand up. Evolution of any kind requires both constructive and destructive forces, both in action, often simultaneously, leading to disorientation perceived by the individual as chaos. In efforts to build the case for common understanding, I offer you a model for crucial conversations our nation needs to be having. All stakeholders need to be at presented men, women, children, flora, fauna, and our common interests. Consider it my contribution to the ongoing process of cultural evolution. We face difficulty when we engage with our own lives because we get bound up in the breakdown of the ego in light of choices made at previous points in our personal evolution. In the spirit of forward motion, I am leaving these thoughts here for breadcrumbs. For people who see see them and wonder if it will always be as it is. I write for you. For those of you who can relate to what you see in my pain, I open my heart to you. For the sake of healing myself, ourselves, and the world. I open my heart to you. As much of a poet and healer as I am, however, I also consider myself a thinker. I acknowledge and wholly accept the legitimacy of science to reliably contribute to human understanding of the world. I also accept the legitimacy of metaphysical principles in their contribution of our survival. Whether one merely survives or thrives depends upon the degree to which one can rely upon an external source of power. There is a certainty of care, a sense of security derived from the personal and shared belief that the universe is essentially a good place, which intends the best for its constituent parts if they are considered at all. But people for whom science compromises the lion's share of their framework for understanding the world miss this point. Perhaps because they attribute no significance to the involvement between humanity and its natural context or everything in the world that is not human. Along with my belief that we matter in the larger natural context comes the knowledge that what we do and do not do. Both have impact on our environment. What we do matters. In fact, everything we do matters, which is why symbolic behavior, as in ritual, prayer, and fasting, are such powerfully unifying elements of our culture. We have responsibility for that power. We are responsible to use all of our resources mindfully with regard to the coming generations.
0: That's a really lovely piece, Noelle. The part, um, I thought it was a really fine distinction you made. I acknowledge and wholly accept the legitimacy of science to reliably contribute to human understanding of the world. I also accept the legitimacy of metaphysical principles and their contribution of our survival. I thought that was terrific.
1: Thank you. You know,
0: uh, uh, really like uh, hit the nail on the head right there. Um, uh, is, the, is the blog scary? I mean, you really put yourself out there. It's frightening. Yeah.
1: It is frightening. And I've tried to handle it um, by just doing it.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: However, I am not as consistent as I would like because I do look down in between. Like uh, I did gymnastics as a little girl and I really love the balance beam. And I fell once and I never got back up because I fell because I looked down. I didn't realize that until much older. I was much older. I knew that I could do it until I looked down. Mm hmm. Mm-hmm. So it, writing, it's the same.
0: Yeah, because uh, I'll tell you, um, if I'm totally honest, like there is some stuff that I don't wind, wind up doing because I'm scared to take a stand to find out later that that stand was the wrong stand to take. Right. You know, um, so, exactly. uh, you is know, um, but like, you know, being willing to be out there uh, to put it in such poetic terminology, I think probably helps a lot. Um, but with the, just the courage to say, you know, you know, this is what I'm thinking right now, you know, in this moment. Um, and then other people can take that in and, you know, respond however they want. That is an act of courage, you know. Uh, so, you know, I just like, like, like I said, in the in the one that you read before, you know, I was just like, whoa, I would, you know, I, you know some of that stuff I'd be scared to say. And, and that's part of what I love about um, community profile. And obviously, like in this room, I'm never in there. You know, but, you know, when people talk to me about it, they say, you know, they get to share stuff. Yes. They don't get to share everywhere else, you know, and but you're out there doing it on this blog and that's and that's awesome. Do you think you're going to, like, collect them one day and put them into a book or something?
1: Perhaps my daughter will. She's 24 and maybe she'll. Right on. Yeah. <laughs> maybe she will. Uh, I will bequeath them to her. Right on. And she'll do something interesting. OK. Uh, with them. But I would I would actually like to develop my develop writing as a craft to publish. Um, Storytelling comes very, very easily to me. So I've I've had a distrust of what comes easy. And I'm turning the corner (laughs) to really change my view of that. I really appreciate what comes easier to me now. That's right. right. Um, But then... There's about the development of it and the fact that everyone is using their voice in a, in a particular way and how to stand out from the cacophony of voices and maybe not it, maybe not feeling completely sure that I want to stand out all that far. So I'm, I'm very conflicted. Um, I've had lots of um, support from acquaintances, friends. Um, close friends who have said you should write however I'm not sure what to do with the writing I could stand on any hill and just shout what I feel that doesn't mean I should do it Hmm. So I feel like this is very much the same thing. This is my little hill and I get up sometimes and I my soapbox and I say my piece and then I recede into the darkness um, of somewhat anonymity. And I try to dazzle the people who have one on one conversation with me. Um, I try to make everyone understand that they are very special, just like everyone else but that they each are getting 100% of my focus at the time. And that's where a lot of my most inspired writing and commentary comes from, is that one-on-one or a small group. So the whole process of writing in a room by myself and then editing and then culling that to get something publishable it's just so the opposite of what comes naturally to me. Right. But I do feel that I should, if I should myself, I, I should be doing that. But this is the closest I've come. Yeah. And a Community Profile has been just a transformative experience for me. Right on. In that way. Good. Good.
0: And you know what? No shoulds for show. You know? Um, do your thing. Right. Right. Noelle, it's been a, such a pleasure. I I think your uh, writing is terrific, um, and I really appreciate you, um, your, you know, the openness of your heart. Thank you. You know, both in your writing and and, and you as a person. Thank you. You know, um, uh, so thank you for coming.
1: I appreciate the open invitation, I appreciate this whole experience.
0: Absolutely. It's been our pleasure. Okay, that was W Noel Robbins joining us for Community Profile: Real People telling their real Stories. And that is it for this edition of Voices from the Real World. Voices from the Real World was put together by the creative team of Jamie M. Ray, line producer, Robert A.K. Gagno, sound engineer, Rodolfo Ortega, composer, and was recorded at the Willamette Radio Workshop in Portland, Oregon which exists on the traditional lands of Multnomah, Kathlamet, Clackamas, Tumwater, and Malala Bands of the Chinook peoples, the Tualatin Band of the Kalapuya peoples, and many other tribes who made their homes along the Columbia River. We acknowledge and honor the ancestors and survivors of this place, and recognize that we are here because of the sacrifices forced upon them, and we honor their descendants who live on. And I am Bobby Bemeya, and this is Community Profile, Voices from the Real World real people telling their real stories. Thank you for joining us. For more information about Community Profile or Profile Theater, go to profiletheater.org slash community profile. To hear more podcasts, go to profiletheater.org slash on air, where you'll find other episodes of Voices from the Real World. If you have feedback or suggestions for me, I'm taking all comers. Write me at Bobby B at org. One love, and peace out.